This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. Can you believe it's 2016 already? Man, that is just blowing my mind. Uh, <laughs> we're starting the new year with a great episode. I sit down with my friend Jason Butler of Let Live. And if you guys haven't seen Let Live, you have to check them out. Now, basically the whole thing about them is that Jason is one of the most intense, crazy performers you'll have ever seen. Um, I've seen him jump off speaker stacks. I've seen him climb a balcony at the House of Blues. I've seen him run off the stage and come back with flowers he picked and give them to a girl. Uh, really, I mean, <laughs> I've seen him do it all and more. And um, so we talk a lot about that at the end of the episode. We talk about his recent um, uh, marriage to uh, another lead singer, Jen Wigmore, which is always very interesting to talk about. We talk about the last record, Black is Beautiful, not quite being what some of the fans wanted. Uh, and of course, we talk about the new record, and we get into all kinds of other awesome stuff. So since it's the new year, uh, I wanted to talk about New Year's resolutions a little bit. Um, in the past, I've made a few, and most of them have failed, uh, epically. Um, but I was actually reading a statistic that apparently you are 10 times more likely to succeed doing something at the beginning of the year than if you just randomly did it on, you know, June 30th or whatever. Uh, so I'm attempting a few New Year's resolutions myself. Um, if you guys have any, I'd love to hear yours too. Email me, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. But a couple things I'm trying to do. Um, the first thing, I'm, I'm going to go for a sober month of January. And uh, we'll see... I think this podcast can help because every week I'll check in about it and see how it's going. So I'm trying to go... Four weeks, uh, no drinking alcohol at all, not even wine with dinner. 
So we're going to see how that goes. Uh, the second thing I'm going to do is I'm really going to make an attempt to get in better shape. Uh, so I got the P90X DVDs ready. I've got my personal trainer on the phone. I'm going to give him a call. We're going to meet up for some some intense sessions. So finally, I think 2016 is the year that, that I don't slack and uh, maybe not drinking will help with that as well. So those are my New Year's resolutions. And uh, if you have any, please uh, email me. I would love to hear them. So now with 2015 under our belts, um, 2016 is going to be a huge year for the show. Uh, we have so many great guests uh, confirmed. It's going to be awesome. And uh, I'm really excited at just how everyone's reaction has been to the podcast. and Everyone's been so positive and so loving to me. And um, I just want everyone to know that 2016 is going to be a huge year for this. And thank you so much for the support. And it really warms my heart uh, how many people have asked, what can I do, Shane? What can I do to contribute to the podcast? Uh, can I, is there a PayPal link? And basically, we're working on all that right now. We're hoping to have a really, really cool kind of like VIP club set up where you can get exclusive content. Um, you know, you can have more interaction with me, ideas for the show. I mean, even even if you want to come on a podcast and co-host with me, we're going to try to make these uh, options available. So for now, just give us a little bit of time to work that out. Um, but one thing you can do to help is if you're going to buy anything on Amazon, just use our Amazon referral link. Again, the show gets 4% uh, of whatever you buy, and it costs you absolutely nothing. So just go on to leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. It'll take you right to the Amazon website, and whatever you buy, 4% straight to the show. I know a lot of people buy like all their household goods and diapers and everything on Amazon. Uh, so please, if you don't mind you know, throwing us a bone, that would really help us with, uh, with some of the, the costs associated with the show. And some Silverstein news. My band is going on tour uh, across Canada and also in the U.S. We're playing uh, you know, what they call B-Markets, some of the smaller cities. Uh, we're going out with Being as an Ocean, awesome band. Also Emerosa, who are uh, totally, totally amazing. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. So please check out silverstein.soundrink.com. Uh, we got VIP packages up there if you want to hang out. They got regular ticket links too. Uh, and that's starting at the end of February. And it should be an amazing tour. And also, I'll address a few rumors. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast, um, I did an episode with Soupy from The Wonder Years. And we talk about how I you know, played his show solo. So a lot of people have been talking about, oh, Shane, you're doing a solo project. And yes, I am. And yes, it is coming very soon. So if you want to hear more information about that, tune in next week. I'll have more information, maybe even the name of the project. Who knows? Um, but it's coming very soon, so stay tuned. This, this podcast will be the uh, first place I announce anything. So I know you will listen every week, and I know you guys have already subscribed. If you're listening on SoundCloud or something, no, 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 no. Go subscribe using whatever podcast app it is, whether it's just the one on your iPhone, whether it's Stitcher, Overcast, whatever it is, please hit the subscribe button. And while you're at it, go on iTunes. Please rate the podcast too because that really, really helps. Anyways, let's jump in to my discussion with Jason Elon Butler of the fantastic band Let Live. Good 
talk to you, man. Yeah, man, seriously. Yeah. How's so, been? Didn't you guys just wrap up a tour a little while ago? We uh yeah, well we were just uh we were just in Europe. We were in like Russia and we went to some crazy places. Oh, awesome. Um it was it was totally nuts. Have you guys been to Russia before? No, we were gonna go last year but we didn't I wish we had, but yeah. Yeah, man, it's a it's a crazy place. Like like, you know, they don't get a lot of shows there. So it's one of those places where kids just like it's like they've only ever seen shows on like like crazy DVDs of like I don't know like yeah. the fucking Stooges playing or something, <laughs> you know, and yeah. they they just think that's what they're supposed to do. <laughs> and I love that, man. I, I'm so all cool. about like like so that, that now. Time. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, really. Yeah, and so you guys, uh, you guys are out with uh, Rise Against right now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rise Against and Kill Switch at the moment. And it's the longest tour ever. No, man. It's <laughs> well. It was. It, we did the first one in the summer, which was rad, and then we like took the break, and then we do this one, which is basically like secondary and tertiary markets that we didn't obviously didn't do in the first one. So it's been yep. it's, cool. Yeah, it's been good. Awesome. Yeah, and uh, I, I kind of wondered about that that tour, like the the bands, because it's it's uh, Rise Against and it's Kill Switch, and uh, I don't know. Was there any hesitation with you guys like doing the tour? Your music is so diverse, and you have so much stuff going on in it. Like, yeah. where you don't really sound like any other bands. Is yeah. it difficult? It must be hard to find a tour where you really feel like you fit in. Yeah, you know, that was kind of, I think, initially when we first started touring, I think that was probably the hardest part for us. And then we had to start to learn that we needed to just start touring with bands that we like, like music that we like, not necessarily maybe music that we were directly linked to uh, sonically. So... We started just yeah. like, yeah, we just started like getting tour offers from bands we like. Anything from like, fuck Under Oath to, you know, Deftones to you guys. Do you know what I mean? Like, things like that. Sure. We got like yeah. offers like that we, uh, for music that we enjoyed. So I think that was kind of what we, what helps um, guide our decision as opposed to trying to make it a more sonically aligned um, <clears throat> movement most of the time. Absolutely, you know, it's tough. But I mean, it's it's cool, I guess, because you have like, if it was just you guys and Rise Against in there and there was like another punk band, yeah. maybe you guys would feel a little bit more, but you have like another heavy band with Killswitch. Yeah. So you guys yeah. are you guys are kind of like somewhere in the middle there, right? Like, yeah, I think we, we exist, <laughs> yeah, we exist somewhere in that limbo. Uh, right. Way. Yeah, yeah. Cool, dude. So I uh, this is the first time on the show. Uh, I don't know if you know much about the podcast. Uh, it's called Lead Singer Syndrome. Yeah. Uh, basically, he, I, I uh, interview a bunch of other lead singers about like you know lead singer stuff like uh, yeah so one question i like to ask people is um especially when they're on tour uh how much gear did you carry today <laughs> shit well we haven't we haven't loaded yet but uh but i have been known to pick up you know a, a pedal board or two um you know <laughs> you know i i think maybe even uh, at the same time one in each hand dude sometimes i'll take dude the other day in rochester new york i took one guitar case in in my left hand and two guitar cases in my right hand, which wow, seems to be more. You must have very manly hands. Uh, you know, I've just I've been able to extend them into what people may think are manly, but you know, I'm just really playing the guy. You know, playing the playing the part. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> that's great. Today, and how's your voice? Uh, how's your voice feeling on tour? It's good, man. Like it's actually the first time in about two years that we've um we we're in a van again. Um, yeah, we feel yeah. like. The tour is, is short enough and the distance between shows are short enough for us to do that. And also like financially, it'll really, you know, it'll really uh, benefit us in the end if we just took a van and we figured we just do it like we used to. And uh, I guess, uh, what's the term? Tough it out. <laughs> well, I guess, Absolutely. Well, there are out. some benefits. 
there are some benefits to touring in a van over um over a bus or a bandwagon, which you guys have been doing for years. And and so we've seen. I mean, we've only done a van. you know, like in the last few years, only like for like we like maybe a week show at the most or something. Yeah, yeah. But one thing that I really I really like about riding the van is just how you share music with people because yeah. you know I still listen to music a lot on tour, but it's always just like I'm listening to headphones in my book yeah, or whatever. True. Yeah, and and I love the fact when you're driving around like in a van, it's like, hey, check out this record like I heard, and you know, someone in your band. So you actually share music. Yeah. Is there any true. other benefits you're finding um you're finding to uh to be in back in a van? Um, yeah, I mean, we get to share a lot of space with each other. That's, uh, <laughs> that's one <laughs> thing we're sharing. But um, no, I'd say like essentially that is it. It's, just, it's forcing us to be, you know, um, not that we're not generally, but it is it's even more so, more social, you know, more interactive with yeah. each other. Um, you know, a little more considerate of each other because we're closer in closer quarters. But um, I also like that we can decide to go to some sort of maybe like a, a site or just drive, drive off of whatever itinerary path we've been on and take the van and Definitely. trailer somewhere as opposed to a bus or bandwagon where it's much more difficult to find parking or even to fit in some of these places that we're trying to go. Oh, yeah. So you're kind of on There's your own worse than there's nothing worse than feeling like you're stuck in some venue, like, in, and you yeah, know, most dude. venues, let's be honest, are in some shitty fucking parking yeah, lot somewhere absolutely. and there's like nothing around and you know, so it is yeah. nice. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's great. So, um, yeah, well, it's the first time on the show. I, I kind of want to dig, dig deep and, and, and I really want to talk about, you know, your start in music and how you became, you know, this dynamic lead singer that you are. Um, uh-huh. you know, for such a great fucking band. And, you know, I know you're from Los Angeles. I know, you know, you've had, you had kind of a rough upbringing from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit, of the, a little bit about that and, um, we can dive into, you know, how you kind of became where you are now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess essentially it was just, uh, when I was younger, my father was um, a musician and, um, you know, he was a musician before I was born and he continued to be, I mean, to this day, he's still playing live gigs. Um, so my idea as far as like, you know, uh, an occupation of sorts or, you know, what you did as a man, as, as exhibited by my father was you're an entertainer, you know, you play music and I just thought it was so cool. Him and his friends were always just so cool. You know, they were just like dudes that were by the way of, of what they wanted to do and how they wanted to do it. And there was always this sort of like, I don't know, this sort of aberrant, this sort of uh, uniqueness about each one of the members of his band, even if they seemed to be like guys who had just gotten off an accountant, accounting job or, you know, like, a, <laughs> you know, working at, at, a, at an auto shop. Like they'd come and as soon as they were in that room being artists, they were different and I thought I always found that really attractive so um you know that I mean that was my my I guess my musical nexus was my father and his band and then of course all the music they were playing and my mother playing all this music throughout the house whether she was just cleaning or just hanging out and I guess the the disparity between the what my mother and father were listening to is pretty pretty expansive like pretty large differences between them but, oh, you yeah. know, and yeah. they were examples to me. Like, that's what I liked. And then growing up in, um, you know, I grew up in Inglewood and, and oh, in Inglewood, like punk rock and skateboarding and, and that, that, counter, that sort of counterculture were not, okay, um, yeah. you know, they were not at all prevalent. And, um, oh, they weren't, I, they weren't prevalent. Okay. No, 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 not in the beginning. Um, you know, it was like, it was more so like I played basketball and I ran around the streets and I caused trouble with my friends. You know, like that's what we did. Um, in my, my earliest, like 
memories or just me running out with friends, you know, being kind of like dickheads, you know. But um, well, I picture. I mean, I mean, maybe I'm way off base here, but I picture like you know, this is the what the mid '90s. Yeah, and you're in, yeah. you know, like the ghetto in Los Angeles. Yeah. Like I picture like Boys in the Hood type of shit. Yeah, you know? no, that, like, that I picture it. like you know that scene when I, I can't remember if it's Boys in the Hood or if it's Menace to Society when like those kids are like walking and then the like older kind of you know main characters like yo yo throw me that football and the the kids yeah. are like no don't throw him the football he's just gonna yeah. take it yeah you know yeah. and like that kind of like like maybe i'm way off base i know that's a fucking movie and in a totally you know <laughs> dramatizing what it is but i kind of yeah. wonder how much of that was real to your upbringing oh no it was very i mean it was very much a pretty authentic representation of the of the time especially in the 90s i mean we were experiencing everything from like you know uh this new sense of uh racial division with, um, you know, the prison industrial complex and then people getting let back into the hood essentially after serving time yeah. to the drugs being an extremely concentrated effort in literally my area, like Englewood, Compton, Watts, you know, all that area, like, you know, we experienced all that Linux, like that was all very, very concentrated in our area. So no, those movies were pretty accurate actually. And, um, for me, um, you know, I was, my father and my mother always stressed the idea of, I'm sorry, stressed the, um, the elements of education. And, and, and so I read a lot and my dad used to come home from work cause he was a, and a, cause once I was born, he had to get a real job because my mom didn't want him touring anymore, you know? So he was an yeah. accountant or he would, he would make up all these math problems at work and he would make a times table, you know, uh, laminated sheet and I would have to study if I wanted to go out and play ball or if I wanted to go see my friends. So before I got to do all that, you know, uh, sort of juvenile bad shit, you know, I had to read and I had to learn. And so, right. um, there was a very big stress on that. Um, and much like, uh, boys in the hood, you know, like, um, our main character, uh, was it Robert Downey or, uh, I'm sorry, Cuba Gooding, Robert Downey, Cuba Gooding. Cuba Gooding yeah. Um, uh, he did play he, a black uh, guy in a movie once. He did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I guess I'm confused all the time. Very similar. Um, but yeah, like just like much similar, I would say more similar to that than say, you know, the, uh, the, the gangsters in anything like CB4 or like, or, or Menace Society. Like I was, I was more inclined to, you know, know something and then fight for it as opposed to just, you know, going out and whooping people's asses, like, and being part of a gang. It wasn't necessarily my thing, but, um, I did in fact learn a lot about, you know, uh, I guess classism. I learned a lot about that when I found punk rock, you know, because, um, as, as much as I love, I mean, I adore and uh, subscribe to punk rock. Like it also showed me that there was this other world, um, not only being subversive, but like the the people that I knew that were being subversive were like, I didn't know why they were doing it. You know what I mean? I was like, well, you come from like this nice area and you have this, uh, this image that, provides you some sort of privilege and, yeah. and these things. Yeah. And I did not quite understand it. So as I dove deeper into punk rock, you know, coming from a more, um, adverse and, and marginalized background, I started to realize that it was more so a frame of mind and that frame of mind really did. It did line up with, with what I used to think when I was, you know, back at home in, in the hood. Like I, I just thought about, you know, what it would be like to change things. Why is this this way and how can it be different? And, um, I think a lot of those same themes uh, run and braid themselves throughout, you know, hip hop and, 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 you know, a lot of disenfranchised cultures and punk rock. And so, um, you know, as I got older, I learned a lot about that. Well, I mean, well, I guess, I mean, you you know, you easily could have fallen into the trap. I'm sure you have friends 
uh, that yeah. he grew up with that went, you know, got probably got into trouble with drugs and, and you know, committing crimes or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, you didn't, you know, you're here and you are traveling the world and you're in a yeah. very, you know, successful band. Um, you know, so I guess you would attribute that to, you know, your father, um, putting like pressure on you to read and learn. And also, you know, you mentioned the discovery of, of punk rock and yeah. I'm wondering how that happened. How did you discover punk rock? I mean, I think, of you know, Southern California, I guess you have this, like, I think of that time, I think of the Hermosa beach, I think of like, you know, yeah. Pennywise and that whole scene. And then there's, you know, bad religion, there's all that yeah. happening, but I don't know how easy it is you know, as a, a kid in Inglewood to find out about that, you know, and you're, I'm kind of wondering your story on that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, essentially, so, you know, back focusing again on, on the idea of education, my mother, she, um, she used a friend, like a friend in a, uh, the area adjacent to ours, like Westchester, Los Angeles, another suburb. She used their address yeah. to, um, to get me into a school outside of Inglewood because she felt as though, that system was was drowned by a lot of um, inconsideration by the uh, by the district in Inglewood, yeah. um, and so she went ahead and basically lied to get me on um, uh, to get me into these schools at a younger age. So when I was ten, I started going to schools in Westchester, and um, that that in Westchester we shared a lot of. Um, I mean, like I said, it was adjacent to Inglewood, but um, again, the difference in in, in culture was, was quite ostensible and it was pretty glaring, but, um, uh, the education that I began with and when I started to really get nurtured by, you know, by that whole, I guess, school system, which I now think has a lot of flaws, but, um, sure, of course. was when I was 10 years old, you know, and then I, so I yep. went, I went to school, um, uh, with a fake address. And then when I went to high school, I went to high school on, on, I'm sorry, middle school and high school. Um, middle school, I was on per, a permit, it was called a permit. So you apply to go to this area and you get bussed in from your area. That's what they would call it. You get bussed in and you would see us, you know, a bunch of, like a bunch of folks like myself, um, you know, uh, uh, primarily black Latino, um, folk, um, getting bussed in to, uh, middle and high school. And so, um, when I went to those high schools, clearly I was, um, integrated with people from the other areas and they were all, um, talking about this thing, you know, skateboarding and rollerblading and surfing. <laughs> and, and, um, I think I've just always had some sort of inherent penchant for, um, you know, things that seem a little dangerous and exciting, um, as sure. I'm sure I've, I've kind of, um, exhibited in my stage. I think the people have noticed. Yes. I have yeah, noticed. Yeah, yeah. We're going to, we're going to talk a lot about that. I got a lot of <laughs> questions for you. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think that, with um when I went to school over there with um the, the, this sort of new uh n- new friend that I, I had found in, in um in skateboarding was was through that was coming to this next area and it was such a um influential thing for all these people because they were from those areas you know they were from the Hermosa beaches or like not too far like the Playa del Rey like the, you know those areas where skateboarding was a thing and surfing was a thing and um. It was just really interesting. I couldn't really, I can't like pinpoint what it was. It just intrigued me. And then I did it. And that's literally every, like all my skate 411 video mag, um, right, the trans yeah. world videos, you know, all that yep. shit. Like the old the Bones Brigade video, videos. Welcome yeah. to Hell. Like, and Welcome yeah, to Hell, I, Misled Youth, absolutely. you know. Yeah, like the shorties video, like all this shit. Um, but, but, uh, but what really turned me on the punk rock was um, 
the uh, this old Bones Brigade video, and it had you know it had your your Lance Mountain and and Steve Cab like skating. They were they were skating over this this couch, and they were playing the Faction. And and I was like, whoa, this is cool. Like I want to check this out. And I checked out the Faction, and from the Faction, I broke off to learning that you know there were bands like from my area or like my relative area. There was Black Flag, there was Circle Jerks. You know, like there were all these angry Samoans. There were these bands from my area that did this music and. With that, I started to learn about, you know, not only the, the music was exciting and it was like a really big, like, fuck you to what was going on, which I also, as a, at a rebellious age, you know, anywhere from like 11 to fuck, I don't yeah. know, early 20s, you know, like you want things that seem like they're subverting, um, you know, what the normative uh, expectation of, of, of what you should listen to and what you should be. And that's what punk rock was to me. And so I guess. So how did you find these records? Like, I mean, you know, a lot of people listening they don't it's hard like especially younger people they don't understand like you couldn't just fucking google it you oh, know what I mean? yeah, there was no, no internet so you no. had to find out like you had to find someone had to hand you a flyer or you had to have a friend give you a record or you had you yeah know, do you remember like your first punk show or anything yeah oh dude absolutely my first punk show was um less than jake actually when i was like <laughs> i was like yeah i was like um 12 and um i went to less than jake and anti-flag actually um, were the first two bands that I saw that were like a punk, you know, that, that punk vibe. And then very shortly after I started going to shows at home, um, because I real or, you know, in, in, in near my home in Inglewood, um, because I started to realize that there were bands doing this locally. And, and I found this out and this is to all the kids that, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't believe that there was something before Google or, or Spotify or iTunes music, or whatever, Apple music. Yeah. Um, I had an older friend who was, um, he was a skateboarder and he used to take me around to skate. Cause I, um, you know, I could, I could hold my own with like the older guys. I was like really, really into skateboarding. So I, I, I you know, I, I rolled with them and he was listening to, um, oh God, what was it? What was it? Minor threat. He was listening to minor threat and it just completely changed my, um, my, my world. Like, well, I was like, what this, this guy is so staunch and earnest. And he's like, he, he, he believes in something and he made, and, and he was explaining to me what straight edge was and, and all these different yeah. things. And, um, the way I got it was through friends, through friends at the time they were older, but then we started, you know, we started going to shows and then we would see people wearing different t-shirts and I mean, I'm going to be straight. I'm going to be totally honest. The ones with the most aesthetically pleasing design is like what I wanted to look for. <laughs> you know, like, um, <laughs> I was super into crass because I just thought the anarcho punk, um, aesthetic was amazing at first. And then yeah. I realized that it was just fucking cool. I really liked doom. I really liked, um, you know, disrupt. Uh, I, I was just, you know, um, all these different things. Like I remember, um, getting a, or seeing like a police bastard shirt from doom and just being like, Oh my God. Like, they have, I know that they're antithetical to fascism and, and, you know, the Nazi regime, but they, it, but the fact that they were so bold, bold enough to like show the swastika on a shirt in order to go against it was insane to me, yeah. you know? Um, sure. and you know, and then dead Kennedy's obviously, you know, and bad brains. Okay. So dead Kennedy, bad brains, fishbone for me. <laughs> oh, and you know, that was like a huge thing. Like that was a huge representation because, um, I was the black kid in punk. Like there were no other, like in my area at least, there were no other black kids except for me and my friend Randall, who is like 
clearly black. Like his 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 mother. I know Randall. Yeah, yeah, you know Randall. Yeah. So it was me and Randall as kids in middle school. Um, we were the only only black kids, and then we had a couple um, Latino. Um, friends that were into punk and we would go to shows, but we were the only people of color. So for us, the represent the 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 I guess the range of representation was rather small at the time when we were younger. But Bad Brains, Fishbone, um, Dead Kennedys, you know, they had, they, had, they had people of color in their band, and I was like, well, cool. Well, it's interesting. So, you know, my, my best friend in high school uh, was also a half black kid. Yeah. And his favorite band was Fishbone as well. Yeah. And the amount of Fishbone, the amount of Fishbone shows, and and. Uh, and records I listened to, he put on all the time because it was, it was his favorite band. You know, like Angela was like his fucking hero. Dude, you know? that's so dope. And, um, so cool. and he was, and yeah, and it was the same. He he loved he loved those those you know those bands, and you know, and he loved like he even loved some of the some metal bands, and I think you know like he loved like Living Color. Yeah, he loved um, absolutely. And and I mean he loved fucking loved body count too. Yeah, um, it was in it, yeah. He's a, he loved like I think it was a, is it Norwood Fisher. Is that the bass player's name? Yeah. Yeah, and he was a bass player too, and he just like idolized that dude. So That's I mean, so and cool. it was it was weird because because I, I grew up in a very very white town. Like, yeah. uh I think my high school had like maybe like less than twenty twenty black kids, I'd say. Yeah. And um, so you know, so I guess he, him being like immersed in that, like, because we were all punk rock kids, right? Um, but then he found his identity, I guess, through himself. Uh, through these bands, I guess that's that's kind of like what you went through. Mm-hmm. Oh, most certainly. I mean, to be honest, because okay, so I grew up. My father, obviously, I grew up on soul and R and B and like that kind of like the, the, the my my father, like he called himself the rock and roll gangster. You know what I'm saying? Like so, that was like my shit. You know, Prince and James Brown, James Brown right. and Marvin Gaye, and like that was my shit. You know, Tower of Power, um, Earth Wind Fire, all that. And then I got hip hop because my my brother my half brother, but you know, is my brother. He showed me, dude, I remember when he showed me, um, the chronic. I remember when he showed me doggy style. I was <laughs> damn like, this shit is like, it's really like, I don't like, I don't even get these, 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 uh, statements he's making about women. I don't get what he's talking about with the drugs. I don't get that, but there's something about this swagger, you know? So for me, that was mm-hmm. like the beginning. And then I, so when I went into punk rock and seeing that it was rather, you know, it was, it was, it was, um, it was pretty vanilla for lack of a better term. I wish I could finesse yeah, that. Yeah. It was a pretty vanilla, um, um, sort of music culture. And then as I started to go deeper and deeper, I learned that, that it was not, um, it, it wasn't as vanilla as I thought, you know, and those are the bands that really did, uh, help me feel comfortable and, and, and feel a sense of, of, of per- or place in, in the punk rock culture. Absolutely, dude. No, yeah. that's, that's awesome, man. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about your vocal style. I mean, you know, you, your dad. I, I mean, you, you still haven't really described his music. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to think about it in my head, like what yeah. it kind of sounds like. I'm, I'm picturing like a funk. I'm, I don't know. I'm picturing like an '80s kind of funk thing, but like, yeah, yeah. I don't know, like, 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 can you describe? Is there any bands that his music sounded like? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think my father a lot of like, um, I'd say Tower of Power, uh, kind of Earth Wind and Fiery, okay, yeah, kind of stuff. Um, but like my, yeah, so my dad was like, you know, 70, you know, 77, um, my dad released this record called Cream City and it was touted as like this really, um, pretty seminal record. And, and they, like some people saying it was like, you know, on the, on the heels of Prince and all this other stuff and who, yeah. uh, you know, artists of which my father toured with, you know, and, um, before that he was in Little Richard's band, my dad played guitar in Little Richard's band. So like, 
you know, he's done it. You know, he went out and did it. And, and so I would say his music is, is like that, but he, but he played guitar, you know what I'm saying? He played guitar. So it was like yep. at the time, it's, you know, in the latest seventies and, and, and you come into Hollywood from Milwaukee, which is what he did with his, with his boys, you know, you, you are, uh, you're intrigued by rock and roll. So, I mean, I think there's elements of rock, but you know, more so I'd say like a soulful R&B kind of rock thing that my dad had going on. So I guess the, I mean, the soul punk, yeah, so I mean, the soul punk moniker you guys have kind of given yourself, I guess, kind of comes from that. Your upbringing, oh, yeah. you know, bass, and then and then all the punk rock bands you mentioned. But yeah. I mean, your music is so diverse. Like, I wonder when you guys write a song, you know, and like the other dudes kind of come up with the bulk of the, the instrumentation, I assume, and then it's your job to be like, okay, what am I going to do on this? Yeah. And like oh, for yeah, you, yeah. it's like you, you can fucking sing, you can scream, like you can kind of rap over stuff. Like, yeah. I don't even know. Like, it must be difficult for you to be like, okay, what am I vibing here? Like, what am I going to do? Is that tough for yeah. you? Yeah. Well, a lot of it, um, actually, um, so like I, so I grew up playing guitar and bass and drums. Um, so like I usually write, um, a lot of the music and then, um, then I'll put uh, vocals to it or vice versa. I'll have, a, I'll have a vocal and then I'll write music to it and then I bring it to the band and then that's when we decorate it. But um, okay. since like, yeah. yeah, since I can, since I like, I can, you know, I, I can, you know, I, I, I songwrite, like I wanted to be a songwriter my whole life. So like as a kid, I, I made sure that I practiced um, every instrument possible, you know? So um, by no means am I like a multi-instrumentalist, like by trade or something. I just, I can play different instruments. And so, I, um, I'll, I'll, I usually write the stuff, um, for the most part, um, I'll write my songs like by myself and then I'll bring it into the band and then we let live, we make it let live, you know, like, you know, Jeff yeah. will take in and write his own part, RJ writes, you know, um, and then, uh, or if they write something first, I'll just have to sit with it, man. I like, you know, sometimes I can do it immediately. Sometimes it's like, We'll just start. I'll just start, you know, vibing over it, scatting over it, and it's it's great, and it's what ends up on the record. But then sometimes it's like, I don't, I'm not hearing this song like the way that it wants to be um, sung. Sometimes I just need yeah, to, I'm I totally can relate to that. There's you know songs I mean? that some of the, some of the, there's some great songs that that'll come to you in like five minutes. Yeah, and there's some songs <laughs> that'll come to you in like five months. Exactly, exactly, dude. Like that's exactly with this last record too. Like so. um I wrote a bunch of stuff for this record and at first I think the band thought I was like crazy. They were like, what are you doing? Like, cause I wrote it all. I just, you know, I taught myself how to use pro tools recently and then I was writing a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I was programming stuff and I was, you know, playing, um, bass and guitar and keys and it, but I was doing it all like, cause I was, I'm so into obviously like idiosyncratic kind of like hip hop and R and B and that creepy R and B and shit. So I was writing it with like heavy synth and crazy atmosphere and I bring yeah. it to the band. I bring it to the band, but like, I got this and I got this vocal for this. And they're like, I don't, we don't know, like, how are we supposed to texturize this? So it took us a minute to figure it for the new record to kind of figure out how we were going to make these songs that in my head, you know, were coming out as like this kind of like, um, this strange, uh, mutation of, of, of what Let Live is, um, and how we're going to make it seem, you know, seem like a Let Live song. And, uh, right. We took a but few, the problem that, Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say we just took a few months, but we we did it. You know, we we did it. Just yeah, took time. Well, it's 
it's really funny when you have like when you do that because I'm the same way and I, I you know I play guitar and drums and bass myself too and I yeah. write I'll write like a whole song and bring it to the band just like you described and sometimes yeah like if I use I find if I use like a drum kit on you know on Logic or GarageBand that yeah. doesn't quite sound right yeah it sounds like dancey a little bit or yeah. if like the bass tone I'm using because like yeah. I did a bunch of demos I don't actually have a bass so I just programmed yep. it like using MIDI yep. and uh, you know and and like. It's funny how when you play that for somebody, they they like you can wrap your head around. It's like, oh no no no, it's gonna be real drums and it's gonna exactly, be real bass, and then that exactly. keyboard part is actually gonna be like a lead guitar, like with you know <laughs> distortion. So just like, but you can't put that in someone else's head. You can't and, you just, can't and expect them to, to hear that. So you, you like, I've really freaked out some people in my in my uh, in my time doing that. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, that's exactly what happened here. So we had to just try it. You know, it was like, I was like trying to explain it. Trying to explain it. I was like, all right, we just got to play it. Like, we just can't, you know? And so I think as us as singers, we have to realize that we're creating a foundation for ourselves. And, you know, that's good to follow. But, you know, I guess it's sort of letting go of the reins a little bit and being like, okay, like, just, you know, put your touch on this uh, and just, I guess, keep the integrity of the song and, and go for it. So. How much does your band trust you, like, uh, with that stuff? Like, you know, um, I always wonder, because my band, I have full trust from everybody. Like, when I do my vocals and stuff, no one's even at the studio. You That's know, awesome. like, they aren't really, like, they don't read my lyrics or anything. They're just like, and I kind of wonder how that is with you guys. Yeah, I think I think they trust me. I mean, I, I like, I think that, like what I said, like, when I brought these songs, I think they were really tripped out. and think they thought I was trying to, like, turn into, like, fucking um i don't know like uh like body count or something or like uh, or like <laughs> like i think they thought i was trying evil to go dick? Some, was there an yeah, evil yeah, dick yeah. reference yeah yeah totally <laughs> but um you know i think that, that we got past that and and for the most part like every record i've recorded by my like um vocals by myself and i'll do some post-production yeah. stuff by myself like with this last record um i uh worked with a composer so i wrote some stuff on piano um and then he basically translated it and then uh, basically beefed it up in a, a quartet arrangement. I have a composer friend who works for like, like a real, he works for movies and television. And so um, I did that post record, you know, and I did that on my own and I made everyone aware and, you know, while I was doing it. And then, I, I mean, it came out great, I think, um, not because of me, but more so because of like the help with my friends. But yeah, I, I mean, for the most part, I think that, I think they, they trust and I mean I know that there are yeah. things people want um, and, and they want to hear from you know certain elements of the band whether it be me or, 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 or whatever but um, yeah I think so I mean this is the first time ever that I had people in the studio while I was recording vocals and admittedly it, at times I didn't like it because I, I I don't like to feel like I am not completely within myself you know so that I can give the best performance of a uh, you know, emotionally and, and also, but also like, you know, critically, like I want to give technically, I want to give the best performance. So sure. Um, yeah. This is the first time I had people in the studio and, and I'm going to be honest. There, be, there was times where I had to be like, yo, um, get out, <laughs> you know, like just cause they're, uh, you know, I, I, I sometimes feel the need to just completely act as if I'm in the um the scenario uh, that i'm singing about and not in a studio singing about a scenario if that makes sense i so, totally um, get that yeah yeah but there's a so. difference there's a big difference like like when someone's recording a guitar or a bass or, or drums or something right it's like there isn't the same emotional 
connection no. to a performance. Yeah, Especially with yeah. a guitar, when you're spending like so much of the guitar, you're just like, all right, is it in tune? Does it sound mm-hmm. okay? All right, yeah. now let's just get all the notes like in the right timing, you know. Totally. And then there isn't totally. a lot of like, you you know, the finesse between notes and stuff with guitar playing isn't nearly the same as when you're like, I'm in a fucking vocal booth, and like for me, I gotta like turn the lights down, I gotta get yeah. like, the right fucking mood, you oh, know. Totally. And then and then I have to think about every note and and what I'm saying, and then it's really is bad when it's like. When someone's like, "Yeah, no, that wasn't it." It's like, "Oh, I know that wasn't it." Yeah, like I'm just let me let me get to where I need to get. Exactly, it's a very, very, uh, very uh, fragile place to be in, and 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 I completely agree. Yeah, like with this, when we were doing the record, I had these giant blackout curtains in the in the vocal booth, so literally, it it felt like I was alone. Like, like the only reason I knew anyone was there is because the engineer would like talk back to me my headphones like but yeah and then you hear like people in the background telling dick jokes or something yeah fuck shut up like throws (laughs) you somewhere else yeah exactly yeah Uh, yeah but well the last record um i mean a lot of people were really kind of thrown for a loop uh with the production yeah because you know you guys really went for like a really fucking raw record yeah um yeah do you guys regret that decision at all or you guys totally stand by it nah i totally stand by it only because Okay. We are unable to route your call. Please try your Hello? call again. This. Sorry, but I'm not sure what happened there. Yeah, that was super weird. My uh, my phone started ringing. Like while I was on the phone with you, it started ringing. I'm like, that's fucking weird. Oh, weird. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and as and then you were gone. But uh, uh anyways, <laughs> yeah, let's get back to um, Black's Beautiful. And I guess the question I had was. The, the direction of the production really threw some people for a loop and you guys have any regrets about taking that direction with the, with the uh, production on that album? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I really don't. Um, and that's a good, the, the cool question or I'm sorry, the, the coolest element of that question is like through the years I've always, I've had to, you know, I've had to go back and, and, and listen and try to figure out what it was, like what it was that, you know, made it seem as though we didn't give a fuck about the production. And then I, and I started to, become more objective as you get older, more mature. Also just, you know, just more, um, I guess just a better artist, you know, I'm able to sort of, um, look outside of myself. So I guess I was more objective and I, and I started to see it. I started to see why I'm like, okay, cool. I get it. I totally get it. But as far as what we were trying to accomplish at the time, um, I don't regret it because at the time I, I know that I was personally sick, just sick of hearing, records that you could not tell the difference between like, like three producers were producing about every I'm sorry, three producers were engineering, producing and mixing like, you know, every, every other record in our um, quote unquote scene and being so closely linked to all of these bands. um, I personally, again, I don't want to speak completely on behalf of the band, but for the most part, this is how we all felt. Um, felt as though it was just becoming so homogenized. It was just so, so, um, it was an, an annoyance to me, to be honest. So yeah, we in some, I guess it was a bit selfish, but at the same time, like you're, you're an artist, like you, you can be selfish sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, and we just, we wrote a record that kind of combat combated that, that opposed that sound. And not to mention, like we also, when we, when we did it, we didn't hit the mark. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm not going to be like, it's exactly what I want the record sound like. Cause it's not, 
it's definitely not what I wanted the record to sound like it, or exactly. But what we did, what we tried to achieve, I think for the most part was achieved as far as the essence. And that was just like presenting the songs to sound as they did while we were recording them, when we wrote them and um, not really giving them that extremely uh, over the top or zealous the, uh, attention in, in, in mixing and all the post-production of the record. Yeah. Um, again, like I said, it's not exactly what, what in my head or any of our heads that we heard. It's not like that wasn't what we thought we were going to put out, but the idea and what we were trying to do, we certainly, um, don't, I would never, I mean, this, I mean, I don't want to apologize for it. You know what I mean? Like, cause people that sure. enjoyed it, they enjoyed it on another level and that's really cool too. But it also well, would go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Finish up. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, but it also just, it also, um, in, in some strange sort of roundabout way sets us up to put out a record with really awesome mixing um, on this in production. And uh, it will really sort of, I think it'll amplify and enhance the, uh, the, the, dis- the, so the disparity will make it seem like we just really put our best foot forward and um, we let go of our, our, our gripes with, the current state of music and we just made a good record right. on this record you know i totally all, get that but you know with with your band i mean i first heard of you guys i saw you live like i had never heard your recordings before yeah so you know i heard you know you guys play and it's like oh this is fucking awesome and i went back and i listened to uh fake history i guess was the record that you'd put out yeah and for me I I thought you guys were better live than on the record. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought I there was a there was a there was a vibe. There was a certain energy that you guys had in your live show. And I'm not just talking about like you running around. I'm talking about like the actual music. Yeah, the way I agree. it came out of the speakers was not the same way that it came out of like my car stereo like it, when it was recorded. So I, I totally agree. understand why you guys made that decision for the follow up to go that route. Yeah. But um, I guess you were you were about to talk about the new record. Which is it finished? Yeah, yeah, it's all done. We're actually in the, the latter portion of uh, mixing, so we should be done, like, within oh, the cool. week. Yeah. And the title is If I'm the Devil, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I guess I wasn't supposed to say that, but yeah, that's it, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll, cut, I'll cut it out. I'll, <laughs> I'll, put a, I'll put a big beep over yeah, when I say yeah, it, I like and that. that'll cool. be funny. <laughs> and so it's called beep. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, that's awesome. I will, we won't reveal the title as of yet, uh, unless of course, when the podcast comes out, it's already, yeah, out, yeah. You know, then totally. fuck you, man. Yeah. Fuck but, everybody. Uh, great. So, so tell us about the record if you can, whatever you can reveal. Um, well, I think it's, I mean, the overarching theme for this record is, um, a very like personally, uh, aware perception of, 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 you know, our political state. Um, as well as our emotional state as a result of that. You know, I, I guess it's more so like this oppressive force that we've always known has been there, especially being from this world that is punk rock or alternative music. Like, we've always known that it's there. But, you know, I feel like for some reason we've either found a way to to try to use that to, to give ourselves this, uh, this guise of an edge, this sort of you're masquerading as this, as this uh, what is it, like a a progressive thinker or you're masquerading as an activist. I think a lot of bands yeah. and people are, 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 are talking the talk, but nobody's walking the walk. And, um, I, uh, as of recent have been, you know, well, I mean my whole life, but, but, but more so as a recent, because I think that I'm much more, more sage in my approach to be, be an act, you know, an activist is, a, uh, um, you know, I really want to, to, 
explain what I think we have had done to us. And I want to explain what I think we should do about it as opposed to just, you know, um, what, what, what usually comes off as maybe like a punk rock poet uh, complaining, you know, um, with the last record, I'd certainly put myself in, um, you know, within the problems that I, you know, everything that I lamented, everything that I abhorred with black is beautiful. I talked about everything from, you know, um, sexuality to, uh, to, to the political nature of certain things, you know, with healthcare and, and, um, or again, classism and things like that. But, but on this record, I've been more so honest and, and, and shed any veneer of, of the trend that I think is not help, is not necessarily, um, the best approach to change. I don't think that a trend, you know, I don't think a hashtag is going to change everything. Right. I think it's a much, a much bigger, much bigger issue than these things that we're isolating or these things that we think we're putting efforts into, um, not to discredit, uh, what people are doing. Cause I love it. I love that we're more aware and I love that we're more, you know, we're awake now or we're waking up a little bit more in our, um, in this era. But, um, this record to me is certainly, um, a call to, the, you know, those that aren't ready to change as just as much as it is, it is to the people that are ready. You know, I, I want to um, offer a place where people can learn and understand and see why this is not absent your interest. Like this, this, this is your interest. This is in your interest to pay attention to these things, whether we want to live day by day. Um, and even if you want to live in the now, in the now will also be in 20 years. You'll be living in the now 20 years from now. And then your now right. then will be fucked, you know, if you don't pay attention to what's <laughs> happening right now. So, um, these are things, I mean, this is all, you know, all the way from like heteronormative, uh, presumption to, um, like I said, like, uh, systemic, uh, racism, you know, uh, to, to, uh, an emotional disposition because of these things. And that's things that I've experienced as a recent, um, you know, I've, I've, I've been trying to learn who I am as a person emotionally and intellectually. And throughout the years, I think I'm getting somewhat of a grasp on it. And I've tackled that. If we're, you know, if we have any reason as you and I, you know, you and I as, as poets, as writers, as artists, if there's anything we're supposed to do, I think it's, uh, we're supposed to discuss things emotionally and we're supposed to yeah. show, you know, show these effects and how the, the, the interests are, um, you know, a, a part of everyone. I think that's what we do. Totally. I think. Totally. Well, I'm. I mean, I'm interested in that a little bit too because you know, I know you just got recently married. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank and you. I know, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And I know, you know, before that, you you've mentioned in like other interviews and stuff, and that you kind of had trouble with relationships, and you kind of felt like you were, you know, almost loveless in yeah. some ways. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder if now you kind of finally found this like deep love that you've sort of been searching for, um, mm. for a long time. And now you have this record, like, were you tempted to just write fucking love songs? <laughs> yeah, dude, I did. I mean, like, honestly, like I was writing. Okay. So here's the, that's a great question. Here's the funny thing. And the fucking contradiction that is me writing a love song. So I'll write things in, uh, E flat, you know, I'll like try to be, uh, you know, still hopeful in my melodies, but still dark, you know? So I chose, I, cho I choose E flat and I play these progressions, these progressions that are classically, um, you know, romantic and, and I sing mm -hmm. romantically, but every fucking word that comes out of my mouth is how I'm, I need help being a romantic. It's like, it's like all the excess 
of, of who I was still needs to be shed. So I'm still shedding that in this record and I'm still being honest about who I am and I'm still finding traits of who I was in who I am now that I want to, um, either, um, omit from my existence or I want to get better at. And, and I guess I'm still talking about, um, you know, the, the, the difficulties that I have had and that I currently have, but I'm looking at it through a less, um, a less fearful, uh, lens. So I'm able to actually say more, like I'm, I, I think I can say even more now because I have my wife, you know, who will back me and my wife that will tell me yeah. you're being, you know, you're being an idiot or you're being beautiful. Like she'll be, she'll shoot me straight, <laughs> you know, and she'll always keep me, um, where I need to be. And that is, um, something I'm extremely thankful of. And she is, taught me so many things about myself that I never, ever, ever wanted to confront. Um, she has taught me and, and, and I'm still learning. I mean, before we left, um, I don't want to air out our dirty laundry baby, but like before I left on this tour, <laughs> um, you know, I, I lost my mind. I got really, you know, cause I, 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 because of what we talked about earlier, I come from a, adverse background and, um, I, you know, we, we, we were quite, um, violent in our change where I'm from, you know, if we wanted something, we took it kind of thing. And, um, yeah. so th those tendencies do still exist and, and reside within me. And, um, I, I acted a way that I've never acted in front of her or wanted to. And I know that at, at the beginning, it sort of frightened her, you know, not, not towards her by any means. It was actually towards them someone else. But, um, in that I was so angry that my, 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 uh, aggressiveness, my, 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 what is it? Bellicose nature was certainly, um, you know, trickled over to her and made her uncomfortable. And that's, yeah. fun, and that made me feel horrible. And so she is such, um, you know, a beautiful person and soul that, you know, after, after a few minutes and after us talking, she, you know, she let me know it was all right and explained to me, you know, she's here to help me right. these things. So well, there's always, there's always things you're going to go through in a marriage and, you know, you're going to, especially early on when you're going to learn about, you know, each other and yourself. Yeah. And, you know, the, sometimes you have to realize that you have to go th to some of those dark places to ultimately be happy and be better. Absolutely. So I totally get it. But I mean, she's, yeah. a, you know, um, for the people that don't know, uh, her name is Jen Wigmore, right? Yep. And she is also a professional musician, lead singer. Yeah. Um, what's it like to be dating and now married to another <laughs> lead singer when that's also what you do? Yeah, it's, it's awesome, man. It's, it's ever inspiring. I mean, like, we understand each other quite well. And, um, you know, I think the only thing that makes it difficult, um, which is funny because it's also, it's like, it's sort of like this uh, ambivalence um, because we, we get it. We totally understand where we're coming from, but because we're both doing it, it's so often that we're leaving or that we're doing interviews or that we have to deal with merch or we have to like, cause she's extremely hands on. Like she's DIY without even knowing what punk is. Like she's just like super <laughs> DIY like, about it. So like, um, yeah, we, we, I think that like it's, 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 I guess it's the best it could be in any relationship for, for me, at least as a, a musician that travels and a musician that is, makes this a career that we understand each other. And even when we're, right. you know, have to take time away from being together, we ultimately, we understand that it's, it's what it is, but we also 
you know, we also, since we do know that we make it uh, a huge point to, um, you know, go the extra mile. Like when I get home, so when I get home, so she was on tour and then she was home for a week and a half and then I left on this tour and then she leaves next week while I'm still on tour and then I arrive home and she's gone. So I'm going to fly to, um, New Zealand and Australia and I'm going to do merch for her, you know, just so I can be on the tour, <laughs> you know, and I can be with my wife. So, yeah. um, yeah. it's, it's amazing. That'll and be, also, that'll be different for you. Back on oh, the table. Yeah. It'll be crazy. Dude. I haven't done it in years. <laughs> that'd be really cool. And, um, you know, I got home the other day and she was, um, learning a, she was trying to make a piano cover rendition of black hole sun by Soundgarden. So it made me like want yeah. to do something, you know? So it's really inspiring at the same time. It's really cool. That's cool. So do you, do you, I mean, I know you haven't been, you know, married for like a long time, but you, I guess you guys have been living together and stuff, but is it ever hard to separate that? Like that, okay, we're working, we're musicians. Like, like I'm, I got this melody in my head. I'm working on it till like when, okay, let's just like go have dinner and not like talk about music. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. It does also your job as you know, is that ever hard to yeah. separate that? Yeah. Sometimes it is at, right now. I think because we're both at such pivotal points in our careers. I mean, she's done very well for herself as far as, um, you know, the international success that she's seen. And she came over here actually, you know, before we were, um, dating, you know, a couple of, a few years ago to, to, to do music in the States, like to, to, to have a presence here. So she's been doing really well. And then, um, you know, with that comes, of course, the inherent work that she has to do. And since she's so hands-on, she is like across all of it. Um, and then I obviously, um, with let live, I've also been, um, writing, a bunch of um, music on my own with someone like a kind of like another project, a solo project. And I've also got this company that I've started with friends, like all these things are happening at once. And they just, you know, at this point, I think we're kind of realizing that very soon we're going to have to make a conscious decision to cut it off and just to stop bringing it into our personal life. Um, yeah. But, but right now I, I, I do think we both understand that we need to feed into that in order to be successful so that we can have that time off and it just sort of, these things eventually start running themselves. Absolutely. No, yeah. that's great, man. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, so I, I guess I should ask you, um, you know, you said she's not punk rock. Like, I guess she grew up in a different way. But yeah. what does she think about you, like, getting up on stage? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it, how many people have not seen Let Live perform. Um, <laughs> and I, I mean, every single time, and I've seen your band play probably at least, I mean, probably close to 50 times Yeah, <laughs> every single show you find a way to not only do something crazy, but always something different. And I'm sure almost every show something wild happens. And I'm just wondering what your wife thinks about that. And she's scared you're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> okay. So, uh, okay. So she does, she, she admits to me, she thinks that the performance is, is captivating. She does admit that she thinks it's, it's, uh, certainly, you know, uh, I guess something of a, a inimitable, inimitable sort of, uh, scenario when I'm on stage. But, but I, um, I recently, or like two years ago, I did something really stupid and I ended up having to get surgery on my hand, um, during the, every time I die code or code orange kids, uh, tour. what did you do? I, <laughs> I, I ended up with my hand through, um, a window and, um, the window oh, was like, geez. yeah. And the window was really like a really thick pain window. So, I'm, I was somewhere else in my mind. I, I, I don't know how I got the strength or the fucking idiocy to, to put my hands in this window, but I did. And when I pulled my hand out, um, I, 
had glass in my arm and I was so adrenaline riddled and you know, like I was doing it, whatever yeah. we were just about like, I, I, you know, I, I got on stage and I was, I mean, I was, I was bleeding really bad, really bad. And, um, I, I got my shirt or my, my TM gave me a shirt and I wrapped it on my, and I, we, we finished the song and then the guys started jamming, um, the beginning of mother. I remember this really well, actually the beginning of the mother. And, um, I, they had already like, there was an ambulance by or something. Oh no, we started playing and then an ambulance came and then we, they did like a jam in the middle of mother. And then I walked off stage and they were like, okay, blah, blah, blah. They're talking to me. I was like, Hey, I understand what you got to do right now, but I'm playing a show. Like I'm currently on stage and they were like, well, you have to leave. I was like, no, I, I need to finish my show. So what you need to do for me is make sure that this doesn't bleed out so I can finish and then we will continue what we need to do. But at that point, apparently there's like some, there's a, you know, there's a code that they have to follow. And they're like, look, we yeah. need you to sign this and say that you refuse care and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And so I signed the thing, I refuse care. And then, um, apparently when I signed that after they had like, like wrapped me up in some shirt shit, uh, they left. So I, I, you know, I continued to play and, and I started to feel my hand get really stiff. Like I couldn't move my hand and it was really strange. Um, but then following, you know, next, the next song was fix me. So I had to fucking, like I wanted to play that song. So we played the song. Um, it was also a show in Lubbock, Texas and, uh, uh, riding out of my buddies, like from home, like my OG homies. Um, yeah. who I hadn't seen in a long time on the show. So I was like, I'm not leaving the show. Like, it's going to be fun. We're about to like, fix me. Benji from running out, Walter from running out. They were there. They were fucking stage diving. I was like, no, this is, this is it. I want to do this. Finished the set, got off stage and I was just chalk white. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty tan guy having a black father. And I was really, 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 <laughs> really pale. I looked like whiter than my mom. And so, um, I asked for some Oreos and I ate some Oreos for my blood sugar and I got taken to the hospital by my good friend, Scott Mackwaters, who takes photos of us. And I walk yeah. in. And long story short, you know, after fucking getting admitted, after showing the wound, getting admitted immediately into the, the, the surgeon, he brings back an x-ray and he says, okay, so that thing, because I thought I had broken my arm and that it was like, it was, it, it was like fucked up my nerves or my tendons so that yeah. I couldn't flex my hand. He was like, okay, so that thing you think is a bone that's popping, because it was popping out of my um, arm. I was like, yeah, yeah, what is it? And he's like, oh, that's a piece of glass that went in through the bottom and out to the top of your arm. So it has completely severed my flexor and my nerve, my, my flexor tendon and uh, my median nerve. So, um, yeah, I, I had to go into, I had to go into surgery that night and um, with no health insurance. So, um, oh, my God. you know, so I lied. And I, mean, I don't know, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that probably, but I lied and, and I had, you know, a $35,000 surgery done for free, um, because I needed my hand. And, uh, yeah, so now I've got, you know, I'm working on, I've got a, a trainer at home who's actually an old friend of mine who's helping me work with my mobility on my hand. And, uh, I'm, you know, I, I, I've lost feeling in like a couple of my fingers, but I can still use my hand. I can still play guitar. I can still, you That's know, good, play drums. Man. Yeah. So. Well, does your band ever... Does your band ever like, dude, we know like this is what you do. We know you go crazy, but like if something happens to you, we have to, and we have to cancel the fucking tour. Like yeah. that's going to really suck. Like do they ever, no, is that ever they, a conversation you guys have? No, no, they've never, like, actually never, like never. My band, like sometimes I'm like, I wonder if my band gives a fuck about that. <laughs> Cause like, we're oh like, yeah, they do. They do. No, I mean, no, I, no, I totally, it's, it's no, a fine I mean, line. Like, Cause they don't want to be like, they don't want to say, look, Jason, we're worried because they no, still want but, you 
so but they must like be. I, I mean, I've had conversations with with members of your band when you, when you weren't around. Yeah, and they're all kind of like, "Yep, that's Jason being Jason," and you know, yeah. hopefully he doesn't fuck him up, fuck himself up too bad, you know. Totally, yeah. That's what I mean. It's like I, I, it's it's an interesting thing, yeah. Because seriously, so I did that. Is uh, it was the first um, first time I'd ever had like that kind of surgery, like a micro surgery. It was the first time, and um, I woke up, and I guess I had a really bad reaction to something in the surgery, and they were like, um, I heard them trying to wake me up. But I, but I was like in that weird um, like state of paralysis where I could hear everything, but I couldn't open my eyes and shit. Like so, they were trying to wake me up after the surgery because I guess I my um, I got this crazy sweats and I was like all crazy. And I woke yeah. up and I was basically naked. Like when I woke up, they taken my fucking gown off me and like they had all this water around me and it was really weird. And um, <laughs> and uh, um, that I woke up and I I, I you know I, I I've never. I've n- I don't usually, if I go to like the dentist or doctors and I don't, I don't, I refuse anesthetic. I don't really like that stuff because of prior, um, issues with it as a kid. And I, they had me on this fucking crazy, you know, this fucking crazy ass anesthetic. So I was like kind of fucking, I was fucked up that night. And, um, yeah. I remember my guitar player, Jeff and my tour manager, Richard being in the room with me, like, which was super gangster, like just they were there and which was so dope. And they sat with me, they brought me food. Like it was super cool. And I was all loopy. And then I remember going, all right, like we can get out of here and I'll play the show. And they're like, I don't think that's going to happen. I was like, no, 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 it's good. I was all fucked up. You know, I'm like, no, I'm good. Like whatever. And I tried to get up and I started, you know, vomiting and shit. I was like really sick. And then, um, they wouldn't actually like let me leave the hospital and you know, like neither my tour manager or guitar player or the hospital. So, um, but, but the next day, you know, I went out, you know, I, I, I woke up and we drove and we, we played the rest of the tour. So I'm, you know, I make sure yeah. that, you know, I don't want to impose my, my fucking imbecilic ways on the rest of my band, you know? So I, I right. made sure to finish the tour, even though it was like pretty painful. <laughs> well, my next question is, uh, how many venues, uh, have you been kicked out and or banned from? Dude, I don't know, man. A lot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like a lot. I couldn't even tell you. Any notable you ones? Any like any like famous ones? Um, the Key Club, which was like you know a, a thing back mm-hmm. in Hollywood back in the day. Um, the Knitting Factory in Boise and in LA. We got oh dude, we whew, we had a really really um what's the word I'm looking for? Embarrassing story with uh, the Key yeah. Club. Okay. Um, when we were much more ragtag of a group and. Uh, Fuck, we've been kicked out of a bunch or like banned from, or like, I mean, this one, dude, the one I'm at right now, actually, fuck, the one I'm at right now, they told me we'd never come back and like, I'm sitting here now, so. You guys are at Egyptian room, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time yeah. I came here, they were like, they're well, like. Well, sometimes we've, we've been banned from a few too, and I find if you come in like, well, if you come in as a headliner, they're not going to cancel the fucking show. Mm-hmm. And if you come in on an opener, usually they, you can kind of sneak on. You know, they don't yeah, know this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Contracts are signed or whatever. So totally, I think you'll yeah. be all right. Yeah, uh, But yeah, do you ever so have, funny. like, with with you, with the crazy shit you, you pulled, do you ever have, like, uh, headlining bands, tour managers, or ever being like, dude, you're like, this isn't cool. Oh, yeah, um, totally. Like, like dude, are bands ever, like, pissed, like, feeling like you're fucking upstaging them and shit? Like, is that ever a conversation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's happened a couple times, but um, in, to be one hundred percent honest, it would be totally disingenuous and and unauthentic to me as a person to water it down or to like 
to curb my performance. Like that's not what, like, why would I do it? Why would I even be here if I was, you know, not being Yeah, but, but I mean, it's, it's crazy because like the first time I saw you play, we were on tour together and I was like, this guy must be just like fucked up on drugs or like, yeah. I don't even know what the hell he's doing, but you're yeah. like a straight edge dude. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. there's no substances in you. You're like, you're good. And, and, uh, what, like what comes over you? You just get up there and you just like black out and you just don't even know what, what's going on. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that all of us is, is for the most part as a sentient and frontal lobe, you know, uh, emotional being. Oh, you're, yeah. getting, you're getting very technical. Oh, and you know me. Okay, yeah. On. Yes. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I just feel like we, we, there's a lot of things that we don't get to experience, um, because of, again, the social constructs and, or, um, ideas of, like I said, like, um, what is right and wrong and, uh, and what is acceptable in everyday life. And, uh, and for me, like, I want to experience most of those things again, um, uh, speaking of the, I, you know, the fact that I, I subscribe to like a straight edge lifestyle, um, those are things that I have staved off of because I think that because of my already low inhibitions, if I were to do those things, if I yeah. lowered my inhibitions even more, it would probably <laughs> not be a good idea. You know, like I probably wouldn't have the self-control when I'm not on stage, you know, to, to, um, yeah. to be I know, reasonable, you know, to be like, I'd be insufferable. I think, I think people would not like being around me. So, um, my, yeah, well, my friend wanted to ask me, ask wanted me to ask you this. So it's not my question; it's my friend's question. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, and he's like, ask him if like when he goes into the venue, he starts like looking around and being like, hmm, am I gonna jump off this? Am I gonna grab this? And, like, is, does that happen, or is it just like you're up there and you're like, oh shit, I see that. I'm gonna go do it. And yeah, how many times yeah. are you like? How many times are you like, ah, uh, no, because I'm probably gonna die. Like, what goes through your head? Um. Yeah, no, I've never, I never ever like scan the venue because I feel like it'll, it'll like look contrived. It'll look like I was, you know I'm saying? Like not to mention if, if I do it in the moment, it's more exciting. You know, I'm like, oh dude, I didn't even know that was there. Like then it actually like sort of gives me a boost of adrenaline to, to go and get up to something or jump off of something or, yeah. or fail something. But uh, yeah, no, you know what, dude, I think that's my problem is um, not really having that gauge uh, when you're there, me being like, maybe not, like, I don't really have that gauge. And, um, and I, I didn't, I didn't have that gauge very much in skateboarding either, like, or sports oh, yeah, or yeah. anything, you know, I just yeah. never, ha I never was like, mm, maybe not. Like I was always like, okay, you kick foot the seven. Why don't you go and kick foot the 11 at, you know, down the street? Yeah. Okay, cool. And do it. Oh, you kick the 11, like go do the 15, like things like that. Like, yeah, I just, I just feel like once you've done one thing, you can probably do the next, like, I just want to believe in the unknown. You know, I want to believe in like this, like fucking highfalutin idea of limitless, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and, and like, that could be really, um, that could be a bit, uh, dangerous, but, um, I don't know, man, I've been all right so far. And I, as I get, for you know, the most part, I mean, there's yeah, a couple the hands. Time. I remember I have two, I have two, um, two uh jason butler stories i want to share really quick and then i want to i want you to tell me your favorite but my two favorites are the one the one time we were playing in um white rabbit in san antonio which is a yeah. fucking classic place and you lost your mind and i think there was a beer and you oh, yeah. smashed the bottle on the stage took yeah. off your shirt maybe your shirt was already off rolled around <laughs> in the glass yeah. and then i think you put the glass in your mouth oh yeah and yeah. you were your tongue was bleeding and you're bleeding about the mouth pretty bad. 
And then yeah. I was like, Jason, did you swallow any glass? And you're like, a little bit, I think. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I so I that's did. what that's one of my favorites and then the other one when um which is funny because i'm in my apartment right now in toronto and i can look out and i can actually see where it happened because i live right on the lake here in toronto <laughs> and it was at the warp tour and i don't know if you remember this but you you left the stage i think you picked some flowers for a girl first and oh. then uh <laughs> which was which was very cute and then you climbed some like tower and you found like a boat Oh yeah, like raft. an inflatable boat or a yeah, raft, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. you got up on it. I was like, "How the fuck?" Like, <laughs> dude, that was that was serendipity. I got lucky. Like, I just got lucky that I was there. <laughs> oh yeah, because I was because that that was my friend. He saw that. That's right. Because it was my best friend that was with me at that show. And I was like, "You got to check out this band." And he's like, "I think he knew the boat was up there." I was like, "I don't dude. think I don't think so, man. I think he just I think it just happened." Dude, I just got lucky, man. Because I mean, obviously, I didn't hop in there before the set. <laughs> You know, like I didn't. I I usually don't even go to stage before we play unless you, like you guys were right. playing. Right. Oh yeah. No, I I knew. I told him. I was like, no, no, man. I don't think so. And he's like, I don't know. That's a little too perfect of a storm. <laughs> I know. Seriously, just got lucky, dude. Just got lucky. I was so do you have good. a favorite? Uh, do you have a favorite one after all these years? Fuck, man. I don't, I don't know. I always. I mean, that year, dude. That was so much fun. That Warped Tour year was so much fun. Like with you guys and Amity and Architects and. Every like yeah. all of our friends were like it was so much fun. Um, I think my favorite would have to just be th- this now because I'm married to this woman. Is um, when I in in uh, New Jersey, uh, Camden, Jer- New Jersey. I I got off stage and I only know this. I I really know this because Jin told me the story and then there's a video of it that I sent to Joel from Amity. Joel and some of the the homies were like. Um, the monster stage, if you remember that day, there was like, there was like a hillside next to us in, in, in that stage. And, um, people were like sitting cause it was like where you could walk to the buses. Yeah. And yeah, all I the totally homies, it. Yeah. yeah. And all the homies were sitting watching us uh, play that day on that hillside. And I walked up, I took, cause we had to make, we had to kind of make our own stage for Warped Tour cause we put a hole in the stage the first uh, day. And so we took, I took this, the, the board of wood that we had makeshift stage for us. And I brought yeah, like it plywood, up. Yeah. yeah, the plywood thing with carpets. And I brought it up the side of the, the hill and I asked Joel to hold it for me. And then I said, all right, now when I, when I say go, I need you to let it go. And um, he's like, what? I said, yeah, yeah, just let it go. And as I'm doing all of this, Jen Wigmore, like my soon to be wife is stopped because <laughs> she's going to her bus and she's stopped by this crowd of security and um, an idiot with a big board of wood trying to slide down the side of a mountain. And, um, she stopped and she told me that she's like, who is this asshole who's just tearing apart like a stage? And like, I, I'm just trying to go get my dinner. And I fucking, I said, all right, Joel, go. And I, and I, he, he, he let it go. And I slid down the side of this mountain on this, um, this board of wood. And I remember boom, hitting the ground and looking up and seeing Jin and being like, Oh fuck, that's that really pretty, really awesome voice girl that is on this tour. And I just remember kind of being like, um, should I like make a note? Should I say something? Should, as I, I said, nah, I got a laugh. But, um, and now I'm married. You played it cool, man. You played it yeah, cool. Yeah. You know, you, you know, your boy, I gotta, I gotta be blase. <laughs> yeah. So I think that'd be my favorite just cause like, then we ended up getting married, you know, being from going from like the dude who she thought was completely like reckless and, and, and just pretty much a, a brat, you know, now we're married. So, I love it, man. Well, dude, I won't take up any more of your time, but it's really great talking to you, catching up, and sharing some old stories. Thank you, man. And all the best on tour. You too, uh, We'll talk soon.
Be my man. Thank you so much. This is rad. Thanks, Shane. All right. Thank you, Jason. All right. And there it is. My friend Jason is doing well, as always. He was filling in for Every Time I Die, which is crazy. Um, I wish I could have asked him about that, but we recorded this right before uh, that happened. Um, So that must have been crazy for him as well. I'm sure we'll do a part two. Uh, We did over an hour there, and I feel like, again, we didn't even scratch the surface of, of all the things we could have talked about. So terrific guy. And it's really great to see him doing so well with his marriage and and everything. And uh, I can't wait for a new Let Live record. Next week, another all-new episode. Who knows who it'll be? You never know. We got a few lined up. I don't even know what we're going to do yet. But it's going to be a doozy, as always. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Happy New Year. Peace and love. As has become tradition on this podcast, I will leave you with the Let Live tune. This is from their 2010 release, Fake History. The song is called Mother.
Okay.